So hey, uh, welcome to 2021, right? I'm so glad that you've chosen to come and worship with us today. And again, again, I'll just welcome you again online. Uh, I know many of you have watched for a number of months online with us uh, from time to time. And so we're glad that you're choosing to uh, tune in with us again today. I mean, we've kind of had it all in 2021, right? Uh, I mean, from uh, we've had everything from Carol Baskin to Carol Benjamin. I mean, so uh, it's hey, it's my one year anniversary today. It, it's right, we've been married one year today. Uh, she didn't know she was getting a Tiger King. Oh, hey, okay, where's? Oh, sorry, no drummer. Uh, but it was a crazy year, though. I mean, we, when you got Carol Baskin, that's in that year. Uh, you've got a, we had a presidential election that was in this year. Uh, I mean, we've quarantined, we've done online school, uh, we have done online church. We, we were doing this, if you're not familiar with us, we were doing this from my, from my den and for, uh, for a long time. And, uh, my, my poor kids had to sit and be the audience for a while. Uh, so we did online church and now there's finally a vaccine. And, and honestly, there'll be some of you that'll take the vaccine probably. And some of you that won't take the vaccine. And so we're not here to argue about vaccines or anything like that, but, but that's coming and all that's happening in 2020. And, and so we've experienced a lot of joy, even in 2020, Carol and I were just talking about that, uh, about how, uh, you know, it's been a crazy year, but for us, it was really a wonderful year for her and for me. And, and so, uh, uh, but there's been some sorrow and some heartache for many of you. And we know that we've all experienced that, uh, as a church family and as a refuge family. Uh, but I'm glad to usher out uh, 2020 and glad to usher in 2021. I know we've said that. You've probably heard that a million times throughout the weekend. Um, I, as you know, if you've been here long enough, you know I'm a big fan of Dr. Phil. And, uh, and if you ever done any counseling with me or anything like that, marriage counseling with me, uh, he, one of his favorite lines is, how's that working for you? And that, that's, that's one thing that I always like to ask couples that are fighting and coming in and telling me what they've been doing over and over and what brought them to my office in the first place. And that's my question is, how is that working for you? Uh, and so, but Dr. Phil also said this. He said, if you keep looking over your shoulder, your past becomes your future. Wow. If you keep looking over your shoulder, your past becomes your future. Well, what does that actually mean, Pastor Scott? Uh, what, what does it mean that if I keep looking over my shoulder, my past becomes my future? It means that if we keep replaying the past, if we keep going back to the same things that have happened to us in this last year, in these last months, in the last number of years, then we'll never progress forward. We'll never live the life that God has set out for us to live. We'll never experience and enjoy the fullness of life that God has for you and for me as followers of Jesus. I mean, how many of you have played the what if game? I mean, you, know, you know, the what if game? I mean, what if I had only done something? If I'd only done this, and then you keep replaying that thing over in your mind. If I'd only done this, then things would have turned out differently. We all played that game before, right? Yeah. Or, I mean, what if I had only said this thing instead of saying the other thing, then that might have put me in a different situation. We've probably played that game before too, right? Or if I had only changed this particular thing, then that would have been the outcome would have been different. And so we play those games all the times. And many times when we play those games, we continue to live in the past and don't progress into the future. It, it's a tough circle to be in the middle of. I, I've played them before. I've lived there before. And, and so I know I'm, I'm talking to myself here too. It's a tough circle to be a part of. Honestly, it's a taunting circle because it kind of taunts you into, if you'd only done this, then things might have been different. Your outcome would have been different. And you'd be in a different place today. 
And so those things can taunt us from time to time. And sometimes it's a traumatic circle because we can't seem to get out of it and we keep replaying it over and over and over and over again in our minds. Yet no matter how much or how little time we spend on things that have already happened, time marches on. No matter where we are, if we're staying over in the corner or we're huddled ourselves up in our cold, dark house somewhere or, or we're finding ourselves just, just checking out of the whole situation, time continues to march on. There's a, uh, a, a guy named Tracy Lawrence. Anybody familiar with Tracy Lawrence? He's a country singer. Uh, he sings a, so- a song called Time Marches On, and uh, it's about some really sad realities in life, and sad realities, and broken dreams, and broken families, and, and the bridge in the song goes like this. <clears throat> it says, the south moves north, the north moves south, a star is born, a star burns out. The only thing that stays the same is everything changes. Everything changes. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. That's all I'm going to give you today, unless you ask me. Uh, But the point of the song is that time just marches on. Time keeps marching on. And the point that Dr. Phil was making in the statement that he made was, as we continue to march onward, or as time continues uh, to march onward and onward, if if you and I continue to focus on what has already been and especially the bad or difficult things in our life, the past actually becomes our future because we're living in the past. Reliving the past over and over. I'm not saying it's not difficult. We've, we've been there. Lord knows we've been there in this church family. We've been in some difficult situations before. We've, we've walked through some very hard hard times. Most all of us here have done those kind of things, and and we have to process through our grief in those things. But we have to press forward. Instead of just living in the present, we have to press forward. Another thing that I like to say in marriage counseling whenever I talk with couples is that whenever they sit down on a, a couch or a chair across from from me, I say that nothing in the past, you cannot change one thing in the past. Nothing in your marriage, nothing in your relationship, you can't go back and change anything. You can't take back any words. You can't change anything you said, anything you've done, any, uh, any sin that you've sinned against one another. You can't take any of those kind of things back. You can't change what has happened. But the question is, what do you do going forward? What do you do from this point forward? What do you do from this day forward in your marriage to help your marriage flourish? How do you press forward and how do you pursue one another in your marriage? So it's not only true for our marriages. Uh, this is a good biblical principle as well. Uh, we're going to read today in today's text. As a matter of fact, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 12. That's actually where we're going to be. Uh, in, our, in our text today, uh, what we're going to learn from the scriptures is, is that we're called to run a race that has been given to each of us. We're called to run it with endurance, and we're called to keep on running the race that God has given each of us to run. And then, in light of that, we're called to finish the race. To not just run the race... But finish the race, and finishing is so, so very important. Now, I'm not a huge fan of this analogy that Paul chose to use, 
because I, I don't know if you know this or not, but I am not a runner. Okay? I know that some of you may have thought that I was, uh, but I, I, I am not a runner. Uh, I, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Uh, I, I'm a gym owner, not a gym user. Uh, I love a McRib, for goodness sake. So, uh, and I wish I, I wish, oh, I, I would eat one for lunch. I digress. All right, let, let's go. Chapter 12 in Hebrews. Let's jump in. And, and if your subtitles in your, in your Bible, mine says that Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith. And we're going to come back and we're going to talk about what all those kind of things mean. But look with me in um, chapter 12, verse 1. This is what the text says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that, has, that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addressed you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and chastens the son, every son whom he receives." It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best for them. But he disciplines us for our good, that, it, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and may... And make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. So let's dive into this as we think about what is to come, or what God may be calling you and me to in 2021. Verse 12, uh, or chapter 12, verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So the writer of Hebrews is encouraging you and me to consider our endurance and perseverance in the faith. He says, consider these things. And what that means is, think about it. Think about these things. Or as the 21st century theologian Ed Bassmaster would say, just look at it. I mean, would you just look at it and think about it and think about your, the perseverance, think about the faith that you have in Jesus. Think about what it is, the redemption that God has called, that has, God has granted to you and think about these things. Don't just walk through life, never thinking about having been redeemed and rescued from your sin. Let me stop right there. This was not a getting off place in my notes, but I, I, the spirit is causing me to urge this to you and listen to this. 
Being rescued from our sin is the point of the gospel. You, You recognize that, right? I mean, this is something that we should never get past. This is something that we should never get over. This is something that we should never just be blase about. This should be something that continues to excite us over and over that the God of the universe would rescue you and me from eternal damnation. That he would shed his blood to rescue a wretched sinner like me and wretched sinners like you. That is the good news of the gospel. And it's why we celebrate every week that we should consider our endurance and perseverance into faith, to think about it. Here in in verse two, Jesus is called the founder and the perfecter of our faith, or he is the author and the finisher of our faith, or the starter and the completer of our faith. See, no story is good if it starts but doesn't finish, right? No story is good if it starts but doesn't finish. Think about this in human terms. I was thinking about some things this week, and I like the story rhymes that we tell our children, Okay? So if, if you think about some of those rhymes, I, I wrote down a couple, and, and one of them goes like this. You know this one, use your hands. The itsy-bitsy spider went up the water spout. Come on, participate. Down came the rain and washed the spider out. Out came the sun and dried up all the rain. All right, so if it stopped right there, it would not be complete. And it's driving me a little bit crazy that we're just kind of leaving it hanging. But that would be kind of a silly song, right? It'd be silly songs with Larry if you just end that song right there, right? Or here's, here's another one that I had to get the elementary school teacher to help me come up with. You know the song, Five Little Speckle Frogs? You don't know it? Well, I'm, you're going to learn it today. Five little speckle frogs sitting on a speckle log eating some most delicious grubs. Yum, yum. One jumped into the pool. What if it stopped right there? It, this, it just jumped into the pool, into the song. It's killing me not to finish it, you know. But no story is good if the author doesn't finish it, right? No song is good if the author, the writer doesn't finish the song. And so if we see in this text, Jesus is the author and the finisher of your song. He not only writes it, but he finishes it. So he doesn't leave us hanging. He doesn't leave us hanging out there just to kind of randomly go through life just to kind of wander through life without a, without a rudder of knowing where we're going. Jesus is the one who has written our story, and he has brought you into the story. He is the author, the beginner. He is also the finisher of our faith. So as we see in this text, uh, he is the one who is at work. And so what is his work? What does the text say? Jesus' work is to perfect our faith. Say perfect. Let's try that again. Jesus' work is to perfect our faith. Say perfect. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. He is to perfect our faith. And why is this important? It's so that we may endure. So that we may endure through trials until finally glory comes and we spend eternity with the Lord. So that you and I may endure in this life that God has called us to live. Every day, Jesus is helping his story to be finished. So let's consider how this plays out. So here's what we know. There are so many who have gone before us, right? And I'm not even talking about just from this church. Everybody has somebody in your family who's gone before, right? 
Somebody who's a Christian, somebody that you know that was, that was a follower of Jesus and they've gone on before us and, and they have left this world and they have stepped out of this, out of this world and scripture says to be absent from the body is what? To be present with the Lord. And so they have gone from this life into the next one and they're experiencing all the joys of their salvation. And as difficult and as sad as death is for us here, and it is, it is difficult and sad. We rest and we revel and we put our hope in this very thing to be absent from the bodies, to be present from the Lord, to be present with the Lord. And so that we know that those have gone on, so many have gone on before us. Uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 is uh, something they call the hall of faith. And it is filled with people that the scripture talks about in the Old Testament, people who had done wonderful and amazing things in the name of the Lord that, that God used. With the, most, most of them died tragic deaths. Tragic, tragic deaths. And, and the, the scripture even talks about them, some of them being pulled asunder, which means pulled apart. Like they would tie horses to people and pull them in separate directions. And they were pulled apart. And the scripture says that even in that, they were glorifying God because they trusted him. And for them to be absent from the body was to be present with the Lord. And so that's all in chapter 11. And then it goes into, therefore, because these people have lived a life of faith, they have lived a life following Jesus, they have given their life to Jesus and everything that they have. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So in the hall of faith, those who've given their lives, lived their lives in service to God, the writer says, because of their example and the lives that they lived, let us do what? He says this, lay aside. Lay aside every weight. What do you think about that? What does it mean to lay aside every weight? If you're going to be a runner, what do you run with? Do you run with a backpack on? I'm not a runner, so I'm asking. I run, feels like I'm running with a backpack, front pack. Do you run with a backpack on? Do you run in like fully clothed in a three-piece suit? What do you run with? Very little, right? You put on the lightest shoes. You find the lightest shoes that you can wear. And you find the lightest shorts that you can wear. And, and the lightest shirt, if you wear one, to, that, that, that you, if not, sometimes you just take your shirt off and run without your shirt, right? Because you want to take away every weight which weighs you down while you're running in, in a regular race. And, and, and the writer of Hebrews is, is comparing running a regular race to the life that we live following Jesus, and he says, take off those weights. Lay aside any weight that's going to hold you back from running the best race that you possibly can run. To, back to the text, it says, he says this, uh, um, to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely so it is to cut off or discontinue or stop or suspend every weight. Say every weight. Every weight. So lay aside every heaviness or burden or pressure or influence. What is it that causes you not to be able to run your race? Something hinders all of us from running the race that God sets us out to run. What is it that hinders you? 
today? What hinders you from running the race that God has set out for you to run? If you were gonna look at your life and, and you say, God has destined me for this life and this is the race that he wants me to run and, th- and I know that this is who he wants me to be, this is the man he wants me to be, this is the woman he wants me to be, this is the young person he wants me to be, but I know that I've got some things that are hindering me from being that person, what are they? What are the distractions for you? What are some good things that you do that have become bad things that distract you from following Jesus? There's a lot of good things that happen. There's a lot of good things that we do, that we family do, especially as suburban families, that we do a lot of good things. We do a lot of good things that distract us and our families from following Jesus. What keeps you from going all in? Whatever that is, my hope for you today, my hope is you're watching today, if you're here in this room today, my hope is that you'll declare that. You know what it is. Or you know what the multiple things are. My hope is that you'll declare that thing You'll repent of that thing. You'll tell somebody else about that thing. Hey, hey, uh, friend, this is the thing that's been hindering me from running my race well. And I want you to know that I'm trying to lay that aside and I need you to help me not to pick that back up again. Hey, friend, I need you to help me whenever you see me put that backpack on and start to run my 5K, that you'll tell me, hey, take that backpack off. Hey, that sin that is so easily besetting you, put that aside. And then repent of those things. Talk to the Lord and say, God, I I know what I keep doing. I I don't want to keep sinning against you. Help me to put it aside. Help me to put it to death. And, And that's what the text goes on. It says, then the text says, also lay aside every what? Every weight and what? Yeah, three-letter word. Begins with S, ends with N. Yes, sin. Good job. Uh, To lay aside every sin that clings so closely. The writer says that, that some of us have some ongoing sin that clings really, really close to us. Some that we hang on to and, and some that seem to follow us wherever we go. It's like it clings to us. Have you ever, um, uh, it's like static cling. You know, have you ever tried to like get something like staticky and you're trying to get it off of you or you get a, one of those little plastic wrappers on your hands, you know, you've taken like a mint out in the car and you're like eating the mint and you got the wrapper and wrapper stuck to your fingers and you can't get it off and you like wipe it on your leg and on, on the dashboard. Anybody do that but me? Okay. Just, just checking. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of like some sin that clings closely to us. No matter what we're trying to do, it wants to hang on. And what do you have to do to get that plastic wrapper off of your hand? What do you have to do? Come on, pay attention. Work at it. What else do you have to do? Fight with it. What else do you have to do? Get help. What else? Shake it off. (laughs) What else? You have to be very intentional to get that stupid plastic wrapper off your finger, don't you? Well, so much more do you have to get sin off of you. That intentional sin that clings so closely that we just can't seem to get rid of, no matter what we do, 
no matter how much we try to just casually get rid of it, no matter how much we casually try to not pay attention to it, no matter if we think one of these days the wind's just going to blow it off my hand or, or you know, whatever, the, it's just going to blow it away. We have to be very intentional about putting sin to death. And, and the writer talks about this. He says, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely to us. Writer says, lay it down. So why does he instruct us to do this? So that we can run with endurance the race that is set before us. So that we can run with endurance. We don't run a race with heavy shoes. We don't run a a race in a winter jacket. We don't run a race with a backpack. We run a race the lightest way that we can. And the writer says we have to run the life this same way. There are some things that are vital for every one of us as we're rolling into 2021. You need to know the weight that is weighing you down. You need to know the sin that clings so closely to you. You you need to know that there are throngs of people that have gone on before you that are cheering you on. Now, I don't know what that really means. I, I I, I don't exactly understand all that, but I know what the scripture says, and so I believe it. You know, I believe that the scripture says that those who have gone on before us are worshiping at the feet of Jesus, and the scripture says that those that have gone on before us are, we are surrounded about with such a great cloud of witnesses that we are, that they're cheering us on in this race that we run. And so, because God is God, I'm going to believe that both can be true. And so there are people that have gone on before you, people that loved you, people that have cared for you, people that prayed for you regularly that are literally cheering you on. And there are throngs of people that you never met before that are Christians that are cheering you on, Christian, that are cheering you on in the race that you're running. Go. You can do it. Put that down. You don't need that. Lay that aside. That's foolishness. Run. It's worth it. Look forward and run, Christian. Look forward and go, Christian. Look forward and live. And he gives us an example in verse 2. Looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He said, look, Jesus ran the race that was before him. This is the example. He says, if you want to know the example of what it means to run a good race, just look to Jesus. So so the Jesus had, what what was his race like? He said, "The, the joy that was set before Jesus. What was the joy that was set before Jesus? Your salvation, you, the salvation of the world, rescuing sinners like you and me, the, that's the joy that was set before Jesus, that, that the, the, uh, the sacrifice that he was about to make would rescue you from your sin, and that's what was set before him. And so he endured, say endured, endured. he endured the cross which means that he put up with the cross, the savagery and the brutality of the cross. He endured the cross and despised the shame, say despised. 
He despised the shame because he was put to shame. They, he, they hung him naked on a cross, mocked him, spit on him, did all kinds of things to him and despised the shame and is now seated, say seated, seated at the right hand of God. And you and I are instructed that in times like when we are weary and killing our sin, when we're tired of continuing on, what do we do? What does it say? Look to Jesus. Remember that God himself, God in the flesh, has come and endured all things just like you and me. Look to Jesus. You might say, well, what good is that going to do me, preacher? Glad you asked. Verse 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So in your difficult times, and they will come, church, some of you are in the middle of them now, but difficult times will come. Consider or think about or contemplate or study or ponder. Consider Jesus who endured from sinners such hostility. The ridicule, the blasphemy, the accusations, the mocking, the lies. The finger pointing, the false stories, Jesus endured all of that. And, and, and so the scripture says, whenever you have those things facing you, what? Consider Jesus, who endured the same thing. The God in the flesh endured the same thing. He's been there. He knows what it's like. He's been in your shoes. He knows. All these were endured by Jesus. And he did everything. Say everything. everything. He did everything right. Text tells us that Jesus endured all the hostility against himself. Why? So that you and I may not grow weary or faint hearted. But he knows that it's going to be tough. He knew that it was going to be difficult. He knew that the life that you and I live and, and following him in this world in 2021 was not going to be easy. And so he says to endure the hostility against himself so that we may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So that you don't grow timid, or you don't grow scared, or you don't grow fearful, or you don't grow cowardly in following Jesus. Jesus endured it, and he will help you endure it, no matter what it is. And then the writer says this in verse 4. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. So none of us have resisted our, any, any uh, a condemnation or anything else to the point of death, have we? And all the people who are alive here said, okay, yeah. So none of you have endured until death yet. At least I can, some of you I wonder about on Sunday mornings. And in the next few verses, the writer talks about, and, and when you move on from like five and, and you go from five to like 11, uh, the writer here talks about uh, a God disciplining those whom he loves. And so if you are a, a follower of Jesus, uh, the writer of Hebrews tells us that God will discipline us uh, whenever we run out of line, whenever we move out from his will, whenever we go contrary to what he calls us to do, whenever we sin intentionally or we sin uh, continually unintentionally, whenever we find ourselves indulging in sin, he will 
he will uh, uh, chastise us and he will uh, discipline us. Just like a good father would do here, he does it better. He disciplines us. And then he closes us. And why does he do it? He does that to help us keep running the race. To get us back on track. To get us back in the race that he called us to run. And then he closes with this in, um, in verse 12. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weakened knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. So Refuge, it's been a tough year. It's been a tough few years, three years for all of us. But the writer says, because we're part of the family of God, and because we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us and are watching us run the race, because we have Jesus' blood who covers all of our sin debt, and because we are adopted sons and daughters of the King, he says this in verse verse 12, lift up your drooping and tired heads. Stand strong on those weak old knees. Get a new grip with your already feeble hands. You think, see the picture he's at? You've been holding on for a while. What does he say? Let's readjust that grip. Okay? Lift your head up. Stand up straight on those weak knees. Readjust that grip. Come on. Let's do this. You see the picture? Here's, Here's what it was before. Stand up. Stand up strong. Get ready. This is what he calls us to. It calls you to. It calls me to. The race ahead. Chart out a path for yourself, Christian. Straight. No shortcuts, no shadows, no slacking. What is weak may be stronger. What does this mean for us? Okay, pastor, that's that's what the text says. What do we do with this? How do we apply this? What, What do we do from here? When I leave here, pastor, on Tuesday, what do I do? Well, one, we have to answer a couple of questions. I think it'll be helpful for you. How has God gifted you? What giftings has God given you? Look, we can get distracted and we forget that God gifts each one of us and he's gifted each one of us with something to do. And whenever we take those gifts, we need to use those gifts for the betterment of the kingdom. To serve him, to serve others. If you can't figure that out or you don't know what that is, let us help you. We'll help you, we'll help you figure out what your giftings are and what do you do to put them in play? How do you get back in the race and use them in the race? What are your talents? Where are you needed? Where can you meet a need? We'll help you. Secondly, where's God placed you? I mean, God has you living somewhere, working somewhere, playing somewhere, going to church, being part of a church family here at Refuge or wherever you may be. If you're not a church family at Refuge, you're watching online. He's got you as part of a church somewhere, hopefully. 
Where has God gifted you? What has God placed you? When he's placed you someplace, why does he have you there? Why does God have you here? Why are you here? Why are you here? You need to answer that question. Why are you here? Find an answer to that question. Why are you still at the job you're at? Who are you influencing? Who's influencing you? How can you use 2021 for others' good? Why does God have you in the place where he has you? And what's he calling you to do? What's God calling you to do? If he's saying, lift up your head, get over your, you know, get your feet under you, readjust your grip, what's he calling you to do? It's something. Young people, what is it? What's God calling you to do? You newly marrieds, what's God calling you to do with your life? You older marrieds, what's God calling you to do with your life? You senior adults, what's God calling you to do with your life? Ask him. And lastly, who's God calling you to serve? Find that out. And start. You may be saying, look, I'm not a preacher like you, Scott. Or you may be saying, I don't connect with students like Cole does. Or I can't sing like you, Scott. I mean, uh, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> I can't do those things. I don't play a guitar. I don't have these other skill sets. I don't really live that great a life, Scott. I'm not sure God can use me. I'm sure some of you may be thinking that. Some of you watching may be thinking, I, I'm not sure God can use somebody like me. Um, Tilly and Chavidjan posted this this week. It was from Sarcastic Luther, who I follow on Twitter. Here's what it said. Never once did Jesus scan the uh, room for the best example of holy living and send that person out to tell others about him. He always sent stumblers and sinners. I find that comforting. So from one stumbling sinner to another, I find that comforting that he can use each of you stumbling sinners. He sends all of us stumbling sinners into 2021 with the good news that Jesus loves stumbling sinners like you and me. That Jesus calls stumbling sinners like you and me to serve him. That Jesus uses stumbling sinners like you and me, to build his kingdom. Jesus saves stumbling sinners like all of us from their sin. So as we go into 2021, start the race. Everybody get down in your running position. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm not going to get down. I might not get up. Uh, Getting the starting blocks. 
Put off the weight that so easily besets you. Whatever it is that's causing you not to be able to run the race, not to be able to live the life, not to be able to follow Jesus, not to be able to do. If it's a friend, then move on. If it's a family member, blame it on coronavirus and don't go back over. If it's your work, see it as a mission field. Whatever it is, start the race. Run the race that God has set before us. Run it with the banner of the gospel that Jesus rescues sinners. With this one thing, I'll be closed. In 1742, George Whitfield said this. The righteousness of Jesus Christ alone and not our doings or not our sufferings can recommend us to the Father. He said, I have no more to add than that. And I would say the same thing to you. That the righteousness of Jesus Christ alone, not your doings or your sufferings, those don't recommend us to Jesus. It's because he has rescued us from our sin. It's why we run this race. Because he is the one who strengthens our legs. He is the one who lifts up our heads. He is the one who helps strengthen our grip for the race that is ahead. I have no more to add to that on January 3rd, 2021. For those of you who are Christians, let's run. Let's run the race. For those of you who are not Christians, join the race with us. How do you do that, preacher? I want to run. I want to follow Jesus. It's real easy. He makes it easy. Repent, which means to turn from your sin and believe the gospel. That Jesus came. He is God. He came and lived a sinless life that you cannot live. He died on a cross to cover your sin debt. Three days later, God raised him from the dead. Scripture says when you believe those things, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For the heart one believes, but the mouth one confesses and is saved. If you're here and you are not a Christian, we're going to invite you to come in just a minute to come and become a Christian today. We want you to start running the race with us. We want you to be on our team. We want you to run with us. Run with us. Because Jesus calls us to that. Let me pray for us. God.